online and in Sunday school today, would you bless them and shine your face on them in the light of the son, your son, Jesus? We ask this in his name. Amen. Thanks, guys. You can go now and have fun at Rise and Shine. Happy New Year, everybody. My name is Kurt, and I am one of the pastors here. It's uh, my joy to welcome you to Faith Covenant Church on this first Sunday of the new year. It is uh, so easy to jump into this new year season, but uh, it is still Christmas, if you didn't realize that. It is the 11th day of Christmas, and we know from the song that there are 12 days of Christmas. So we still have our tree and our Christmas Advent candles and the Christ candle shining, reminding us that the light of God was born into the world during this season. Next Sunday starts the season of Epiphany in the church calendar, which is a season of light and revelation. Uh, And before we rush off too quickly into the new year, we wanted to take some time to recognize what what does it mean during this time of year as we come down off of the high of the Christmas holiday and as we start to think about getting back to school and work and all of the things of our normal lives. And this is a a time of year where we often make New Year's resolutions, right, that last a couple weeks and then we kind of forget and get back into our normal patterns and routines. Yet even though uh, often New Year's resolutions fall flat on their face, it it, it is still a time of year where I think it's really good to to take some time to assess where we're at in life and where we're going in this new year and and what's coming ahead and what are the things that we want to achieve in our life this year and and how do we make that happen? And as we do that, there's going to be all kinds of things that we each are focusing on, whether it's losing the uh, five extra pounds, I remember the video, ah, from the holidays, or getting our finances in order, and, and taking that next step in improving our, our, our job and our career. There's all kinds of things that we're going to be focusing on. But we want to suggest to you in this season and over this next three weeks that there's probably nothing more important, and there's probably nothing more foundational that will bring a quality of life and a success to all those other areas of life than thinking about relationships and our relationship IQ. Psychologists and sociologists will tell you that because we are social beings, that your ability to relate well with others can be one of the most important factors in determining your quality of life. And in this three-part series, we want to help you raise the intelligent quotient on all of your relationships. Now, biblically and spiritually, we know as well That being smart about our relationships is really the most practical way that we as Christians can live out our faith every day. By pursuing healthy and vital relationships with one another and those around us, we are actually living out the greatest commandments that Jesus told us were the things that we should focus on, and that is loving God and loving others well. Unfortunately, I think too often we give less attention and effort and focus to our relationships in our life and we, spend, we don't spend enough time investing and giving to our relationships. And we kind of assume that if we invest in, in these other things, the relationships will just kind of happen. As a result, we often have to work much harder at maintaining our relationships than we otherwise might need to. And in too many cases, it, it gets to the point where sometimes it seems like it's easier just to walk away from a relationship than to keep working at something that seems to be a losing effort. One author said, some people make enemies instead of friends because it's less trouble. I'd like to suggest for us this morning that we need to be as strategic 
and intentional about our relationships in life as we are with all the other areas of our life and work and ministries, and perhaps even more so. Also, I want to suggest it's important to recognize that as a faith community, our ability to build healthy and vital relationships with one another is critical to our effectiveness in living out the gospel of Jesus Christ and developing our leadership effectiveness in the culture in which we live. If you were able to be with us for our Discover the Hope of Christmas series, you you will remember that we talked about how community and relationships is the context out of which our birth, our very identity as human beings, and and the meaning that we find in our work, and ultimately the things that we find to make lasting contributions in this world and in the lives of other people. We also know that people will ultimately be disappointed in life with wealth and status and success alone. What good are all those things if you have nobody to share them with? Yet people will thrive and be influenced for ongoing growth and change by the substance and the profound nature of their relationships with people who truly know them and love them and are willing to invest in their lives. It's hard to find anything that matters more than relationships. Therefore, we need to be smart about how we understand and pursue the relationships in our lives. Now, most people intuitively know how to define intelligence, I think, right? We use words like smart, clever, brilliant, even genius. But there's still not a really universally agreed upon definition of what intelligence is. Author Steve Saccone, who wrote a book called Relational Intelligence, who's a Christian author and leader in Southern California, said a simple way to define intelligence is the ability to learn, understand, and comprehend knowledge. It's a pretty good definition, and, and then you could say that relational intelligence, then, is the ability to learn, understand, and comprehend knowledge as it relates to interpersonal relationships. Or we might simply say it's about being smart about our relationships. See, being smart about our relationships enables us to avoid many of the common pitfalls that we run into in interpersonal relationships and allows us to improve our ability over time to be more and more effective, not only in our relationships with those closest to us, but how we grow in our ability to influence those around us and and make a difference in the world as we step out as followers of Jesus Christ. See, the purpose of improving our relational intelligence and getting smart about our relationships is not only to enhance our own quality of life, but to enhance our influence and our leadership ability to impact those who God calls us to serve. It enables us to relate smarter and not harder. In essence, relational intelligence, you could say, is a hybrid of developing good relationship skills while also maintaining healthy relational patterns and behaviors in our lives. And in that sense, all of us can stand to grow and work on improving our relational intelligence and getting smarter about how we relate to the people that God has given us in our lives. Almost all transformational change that comes in our lives comes through the influence of relationships in our lives. And and this isn't really something that we invented. You see, relationships are not something that are a a human initiative. If you go back and you really look at the the story of the creation of the world and, and where we come from, we understand that relationships are really part of how God has created us. It's God's intention for us to be social beings and that this idea of community really flows out of the very center of who God is in himself. His desire is for us to experience and enjoy the very community that he exists in as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
Now, even though we can't fully comprehend how God exists in community, we know that human beings have been created in his image and in his likeness, and it involves being in relationships with one another. You see, what matters most to God is our relationships. And that's why relationships really form not only the foundation of our human existence, but the foundation of what it means to be church together. If we could turn to the letter of 1 John all the way in the very back of our Bible, we're going to look at chapter 4 in verse 7 where the author of this letter understands how important our relationships are at understanding our Christian spirituality. He says in verse 7, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Didn't we just celebrate that at Christmas? This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Let's not skip over that last sentence. This is, for me, personally, one of the most profound verses in the Bible. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. You see, what he's saying there is God is manifest in our love for one another in a way that we become the proof to others of God's existence. God's spirit in us, his love flowing through us, allows us to make God real to one another and to other people. And so if we are witnesses of Jesus Christ, if we are to live our lives as a testimony to the God who saved us, then we should be very serious about being intentional and smart about all of our relationships because every relationship we have has the potential to be a relationship that reveals God in the world. I love that verse. You see, Jesus, who is the very gift of God that he gave us at Christmas comes to teach us that we can discover the undeniable reality of the core essence of life and love and leadership. And the most powerful influence in the world is the influence of love in relationship. See, God chooses to reveal himself through extraordinary acts of love like Jesus dying on the cross, but also everyday simple acts of love in caring for the little nitty-gritty details of our lives. Now, this isn't love as we might normally think about it or as, as we think about it in the culture. Uh, you know, this isn't this soft sentimentality, just a romantic kind of love that gives us the warm fuzzies. You know, this isn't a, a, a love uh, like Jack and Rose on the Titanic, more of an infatuation. This is more of a love, the kind of sacrifice like Oscar Schindler demonstrated in the movie Schindler's List where he he risked his very life and his career and his business to save as, as many Jews from dying as possible. You see, when Jesus talked about love, it wasn't some sicky, icky, warm, fuzzy sentimentality. It was, the, it was the power of God at work in the world to transform the human heart, to overcome the sinful brokenness of all of our relationships, and, and, and to, to lead us on a path to experience a whole new uh, understanding of what community and family and life is really all about. 
You see, Jesus told us that love would be the unifying theme of the new humanity that he came to inaugurate. Love was going to be the theme of what it meant to be in relationship with God and with one another. And is the, power, the most powerful reflection of who he is in this world. And, and Jesus called this kind of love friendship. He called this kind of love friendship. In John 15, when Jesus is preparing to to leave this world and he's teaching his disciples what he, the, the core things that he wants them to remember after he leaves and when he's gone. In verses 12 through 14, he says, My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. And then he goes on to say that he has shared with them everything that his father had gave him. And his simple command to them is, love one another. You see, for Jesus, he can, he can sum up all of his teaching and all of the gospels and all of the Old Testament law to the simple yet powerful concept of loving one another. If, if Jesus took love so seriously and he understood love as friendship, How smart would it be for us to focus on relationships and how we get better and better at loving one another well as we seek to be followers of Jesus? You see, our hope at Faith Covenant Church is that God will continue to push us and to challenge us and to stretch us towards the transformation of all of our relationships by expanding our capacity not only to internalize God's love for us, but then to externalize his love through all of our relationships with one another. So how do we do that? That's really what what I want to spend the next few weeks talking about. How do we take this love of God and internalize it, but then externalize it through all of our relationships? Today, we're going to talk a little bit more about friendship. Next week, we're going to look a little more closely at marriage. And then we're going to wrap up the third week by looking at how that impacts our relationship as family. But the starting point is always to gain perspective. If you remember in our Journey of Faith series, we talked about God is always leading us through this learning process where we gain new perspective from his word and from our experiences in life that then leads us to focus our priorities in new ways and to plan for new action. And then we step out and begin to act and behave in new ways based on this new perspective that he's given us. Well, what is the biblical perspective that helps us to think in new ways about our relationships? Well, the first thing we have to do is we have to figure out what counts on the last day. Because if you know what counts on the last day, then you know what to invest in every day. Does that make sense? If you know what counts on the last day, then you know what to begin to invest in every day. Your last day on earth, if you think about it, is going to be your first day in eternity. And what's going to count on that day? See, this is what will give us perspective in life, perspective on who God is and and what he wants us to value in life. The Bible is very clear. There's only two things that last forever, God's word and people. God's word and people are the only two things from this world that the Bible tells us will last forever. So what should we be spending our um, greatest amount of time investing in? You see, this world is temporary, but souls are eternal. You have to learn to love people and use things, the Bible tells us, and not love things and use people. And how do we do that? Well, the Bible tells us that we practice loving like God loves. That's really what the the passage in 1 John tells us. We should love others because in the same way that God loved us. Well, God is a God who keeps his word. 
Therefore, we need to be people who keep our word. We need to be people who are trustworthy. You know, relationship is founded on the character of people who keep their word. In fact, our entire world system, our economy is based on on the character of people who keep their word. If you think about whether it's a a product that a company is producing or a a job that that we're working or or managing uh, uh, debt and and marriage and family and parenting, if you go on and on, the, the success and health of our culture is based on the trust that people are going to honor and live up to their word. Lack of trust becomes like a a sinkhole that that erodes under the fabric of our society and begins to to, to create distrust and and people begin to feel like they have to be out for number one and look only for their own self-interest. Do unto others before they do unto you, right? I mean, that's really kind of the, the prevailing attitude in our culture because people have eroded trust. And they don't understand that when you allow trust to erode, it it erodes the very fabric of our ability to live in healthy relationship with one another as a culture. So we first and foremost have to be people who are trustworthy. We have to be people who keep our word. Secondly, we have to be honest. That's that's one of the hardest things to do is to be honest. I mean, uh, sometimes it's easy to just, you know, brush over what the thing that, that we feel like needs to be said, right? Because we want to go along to get along. It's harder to, if I bring that up and I say that, oh, I know that's going to create some tension and, and I don't want to deal with that. So it's easier just to, to bite our tongue and, and to shove it down. And, and yet all the time we withhold being honest with one another. We don't have the opportunity to, to dialogue about it, to work it through. And so we have persistent, nagging relational issues that come over and over again because we're not able to, to work it through. Now, the caveat of that is, is we need to be honest, but we need to be able to speak the truth in love. Right? There's a lot of people who are really good at speaking truth. They just don't do it in a very loving way. And that shuts down conversation right away. Right? Especially people in the church. People of God need to know how to speak the truth, but we need to do it in love with the hope that we're going to build greater relationship, we're going to expand more effective communication, and we're going to open a a place where everyone can bring their concerns and their thoughts and their ideas. We need to be helpful. Now, how many of you have been in a relationship where you were you know, found somebody that you thought was a great friend and you wanted to spend time with them, but it seemed like they were always thinking about themselves, and they always were asking you to help them, but they never turned around and helped you either. See, if you want to be a good friend, you need to say, how can I serve someone else? How can I be helpful to them? What, what is it that they need in their life, and how can I come alongside them and be of help to them? Because that's what Jesus came to do, right? He came not to serve, be served, but to serve, he said. And so as we are building healthy relationships and friendships, we say, how can I be helping those around me? We need to be encouraging. We need to be able to look for the best in others and see their potential because, let's be honest, when we stand in front of the mirror, we don't often see our own best side, right? We're often our, our own worst critics. We, we beat ourselves up to really, we, we need those friends who come along outside and see the potential and the good in us and can encourage us to, to keep going and to keep striving to, to be the best that we can be. And finally, we, we need to be forgiving. These are the characteristics of how God loves us. And God in his son has forgiven us. And too often, we, we don't learn to, how to forgive well. We, we, we keep scorecards and we hold grudges and, and we bring up things that were long dead and, and we beat each other up over the head with them, you know. And, and that allows bitterness to take root. 
and even righteous indignation where we, we hold things against one another. But we need to learn to be able to let it go and forget about it, right? Forget about it. What we can't forget, God says, just forgive. Now, forgiveness is a tricky one, too, because Christian forgiveness doesn't mean making yourself a doormat. It doesn't mean that you just put up with any kind of abuse or, or, or negativity or people who don't continue to keep their word or that are gossiping about you and, and all the unhealthy patterns of relationship. Yes, you can forgive what's been wrong, but we also have to be smart about being in relationship and building healthy relationships with those around us. If we are doing the best in our part to be healthy, but we have somebody who is not able to be healthy in, in a Health, helpful way, then we also need to be able to set healthy boundaries and pursue healthy relationships um, so that we can be pursuing God's best for our lives. A life coach who dealt with this issue in a, a lot of his clients' lives said, I often tell my clients this, if you're in a relationship with Mike Tyson and he hits you, that's on him. If you go back for round two and he hits you again, that's on you. See, we need to be smart about our relationships. God doesn't call us to be Christian doormats in the name of love and forgiveness, just tolerate any kind of negative, unhealthy behavior. In fact, he calls us to be a place and as a community where we hold each other accountable to improve our relationships with one another so that we're helping everybody to live in harmony, using love and forgiveness as the motivation to grow and become better people, not to escape and and our unhealthy behaviors and persist in in really what the Bible says is sin. Uh, Steve Saccone, who wrote that book, Relational Intelligence, also reminds us that that bigger is not always better. Faster doesn't always get us where we want to go. And quantity ought to be a byproduct of quality rather than an end itself. And I think for me, this really talks to me about relationships in church. Because in church, when you're a part of a church, you can have a lot of acquaintances. You can come to church every Sunday and you can say, well, I have, you know, 200 friends that I worship with every Sunday. And yet, you can come here week after week after week and nobody ever really knows who you really are. Or you never take the time to get to really know the person sitting next to you and what their needs are, what their concerns are, to see the potential in them and to encourage them. We can have many acquaintances but very few friends. See, we need to start by prioritizing our emphasis on the quality of our relationships, and in doing so, expanding our ability to influence others more effectively. See, quality in church has to precede quantity if we want to influence people in deeply and personally transformational ways. So what about you? If you want to be smart about your relationships in this new year, what are some things that you can begin to do to pursue healthier relationships in your life, to pursue friends who, who reflect this kind of loving relationship. Well, the first one is you have to be intentional. You see, it's not going to happen on its own. You have to be intentional about relationships. Anything that we want to pursue and be successful at in life, we have to be intentional, right? We have to actively seek friendships that are mutually beneficial and be willing to be that kind of friend to someone else. So, so that we can experience those kinds of relationships. I would suggest to you, in a, in a place like this, we need to begin to think intergenerationally as well. You know, God has given us a, a generational community to be friends with. It's not just our own peers who are in our own life stage who can be friends to us. 
We, we can seek out people who are older and wiser, who have more experience, who, who've walked down that path a little further, and we can pursue them to say, hey, I'd love to hang out with you. I'd love to, to get to know you more. I'd love to come alongside you and say, how can I be of help to you? And that relationship can become mutually beneficial in some ways that, that many people in our culture are missing. Of course, we also need those, those peers who are our, at our life stage, those, those comrades who we're going through life with and we're slugging it out in the trenches of life. And, and, and they're people who can you know, have our back and encourage us and, and we have that feeling like we're, we're in this together. But then we also understand that we need those downward relationships, those people who are further back on the path from us, either younger or, or further back spiritually, that we can reach back and say, hey, I can see the potential that God has created in you. How can I help you discover that potential? How can I encourage you in your life and in your walk? The second thing after being intentional is we also have to be specific. We have to align our calendar with our priorities. If relationships are important to us, then are are they reflected in how we're budgeting and spending our time? Look at your calendar and set aside some time each week or each month to say, this is the time when I'm going to focus on, on either pursuing new friends or investing in the friends that God has already given me. You see, if we're not investing our, our time and our talents and our energy in the things that are most important to us, then, then they aren't really as important as we think they are. And that really leads to the last step. We have to be intentional, we have to be specific, but we also have to be committed. You see, I would like to suggest to you that staying connected with some real friends who are in a mutually beneficial relationship is really a spiritual discipline. It requires a commitment to say, I am going to stay committed to pursuing this relationship in a regular, ongoing way so so that it's not something that after two weeks or after a couple months, like all of our other New Year's resolutions, just kind of falls by the wayside. You see, anything that we're going to commit ourselves to and be serious about and be intentional about has to be something that we discipline ourselves to make a commitment to over time because relationships don't happen overnight. We have to get, invest time and energy and they're developed as we spend time communicating, relating, and walking with one another. So be intentional, be specific, and be committed. One of the things that I think we're going to find as we go through this series is that this idea of friendship being the core relationship that God invites us into through the love of Jesus Christ is really the foundational relationship for all of our relationships in life because it is the only primary relationship that is purely by choice. It is the only relationship that is purely by choice. You see, God loves us because he chose to love us. He didn't have to love us. He chose to love us. Jesus loved his disciples because he chose them. He said, I don't call you servants. I haven't commanded you to come and serve me because I'm God. He said, I've chosen to be in relationship with you. That means you're my friends. And friendship is, the, is really the core kind of relationship that God wants us to understand is the foundational relationship that undergirds healthy marriage. It's the relationship that undergirds healthy parenting. It's the relationship that undergirds healthy families. And it's the relationship that undergirds what healthy church is really all about. God has called us to be friends. Jesus reveals friendship is really the source of spiritual family. 
not genetics. I mean, you can have a lot of genetic relationships that don't exp- you don't feel like are family. But friends who become family are a true joy. My favorite toast in all the world if you're at a family celebration, you're, 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 you have all those loved ones around you, it is to raise a glass and to say to family who are friends and to friends who are family. As we go through this series, let us remember that no one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. His love is manifest in us. And so let's all celebrate, even as we come to communion and, and, and raise the cup of Christ's blood and raise the bread of his body broken for us, that he invites us as family to become friends and invite new friends to become family with us. Would you pray with me? God, we do thank you that you have invited us not only to be family as God's children, but to be your friends. And as we start this new year and begin to seek relationships in our lives that are, are both life-giving, but also influencing of the world around us, would you help us to see the importance and the value of being intentional and specific and committed in pursuing relationships in our lives? And God, we will thank you and praise you for the way that through your Spirit, you manifest the love of Jesus in us and that we become a living testimony of his light in the darkness of this world. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to invite Pastor Bill.